Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and today's very special edition of Half the Battle is co-hosted by longtime friend of the show, UFC lightweight James Vick. James, always a pleasure to have you on the show, my man. Yes, sir. Glad to be back. Hell yeah, man. And our very special guest is none other than UFC featherweight Chaz the Scrapper Skelly. Chaz, welcome back to Half the Battle, man. Thanks. One and only. You can't clone me. That's right, baby. And you know, last time we spoke, I said I wanted to get Chaz the Scrapper Skelly on Half the Battle before you hit the top 15. Now, obviously we know those... Uh, the guys that pick the rankings are a little bit uh, incompetent, you know, because they haven't put you in there yet. But you are facing a top 15 guy next and Darren Elkins. And, you know, once you beat him, you'll finally get that top 15 ranking. So you pump, bro? Oh, you know it, man. You know, I I don't look at the rankings too much, you know. I, uh, I'm i more look at, look at the checks I'm collecting, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm excited, you know, I'm finally, I'm excited to finally get somebody in the top 15 so that when I beat him, they can't deny me, you know, they have to put me up there. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that, man, because it's like the champion in your weight class said, like, back in the day when he beat, uh, I think he beat Poirier, he's like, I'm not celebrating being number nine, I want to be number one, so I respect that mentality a lot, and James, man, you know, every single time you've been on Half the Battle, we've been wondering... Who are you going to fight next? You finally got your opponent. You're fighting Franca. This is the guy that was on the main card of the Ronda vs. Bedge card. And he fought right before Shogun and Lil Nog. So millions of people got to see him fight. He's 24 years old. He's super hungry. How pumped are you, man? I'm excited. I'm excited to finally be on a pay-per-view card. Even though I'm not on the main card, the John jones Cormier rematch will, will be one of the biggest of the year for sure. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to be on the card and he's a tough opponent, but he's definitely not even the best guy that I've fought so far. I think I have a great matchup and I'm going to showcase a lot. Yeah. Now, James, uh, you know, we were briefly speaking off air about this, but this is one of those situations where you're going to be a big favorite. Everyone around you is telling you, Hey, you're going to run through this guy. I mean, how do you prepare mentally just to not let all that outside shit affect you and just go in there and do your job? Well, I, I mean, I really don't listen to a lot of what other people say about that, whether they think I'm the favorite or the underdog, because in my mind, I'm always the favorite. If I didn't think I was going to win, I wouldn't be fighting. I think I'm going to be a world champion. In my, my mind, I'm always the favorite to win. So I don't really look at this guy any different than the, the last eight opponents I've had as a pro fighter. I always believe I'm going to win. So I'm going to train the exact same way, do the exact same things. I feel like I've been doing the right things in my career so far. It's got me to this point. I'm, just gonna, I'm not changing anything. Well, that's the mentality of a champion right there. And Chaz, I mean, you're taking on Darren Elkins. A lot of people like to say that you guys have similar styles. You kind of do, but I actually think you're a, you're a more polished version of him because, I, you know, whenever he's put on his back, I don't see him, uh, you know, throwing up triangles. I don't see him going for shit. And, dude, in your last fight with Kevin Souza, I mean, you went for a Dars choke from side control on bottom. And one doesn't simply go for a Dars choke from side control on bottom. I mean, I know... Uh, Mitch Clark hit one on Ally Kinta. That's the only in UFC history. But, I mean, when uh, Kevin Souza got up from that, what was going through your mind? Because for some guys, they might have, you know, been like, oh, fuck. But for you, you were like, hey, I'm just going to keep fighting until uh, I finish this guy. Well, I've been there a million times training. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a hunter, you know, when, I, when I'm out there. I don't, you know, he's a grinder, and I'm a, I'm a finisher, so... Whether I'm training or whether I'm in an actual fight, I always I always train like that. I never I never just sit back and wait. I'm always looking for the finish. So, you know, I, I love Darce chokes. I love Marsh chokes. 
I've been in that position a million times training. You don't always finish the submission. That was really deep. I made I made a tactical error when I tried to roll him through, and he had his uh, arm on my chest, and, and it, it kind of slipped through. Uh, you know, he was close to going out, though. He, he was I heard him gurgling. He was uh, – he was on his way out. I think if I would have just stayed on my back, arched, arched up, and tried to try to walk down his legs, as opposed to rolling him through and finish him with the actual uh, dosh choke, then I would have finished him. But you know, it was no big deal. He got out of the submission. That was that was good on his part. But the, the fight's not over. You know, you just got to get up and keep fighting. There's nothing that you can do. Yeah, so he gets out of the submission. You guys get back up. I think he landed a big left hook on you. And, I mean, when that happens, I mean, does, you know, d- does your life flash b- before your eyes? Do you feel rocked? Do you not remember? Like, what the hell happens in a moment like that? Uh, you know, I really don't remember, to be honest. I just, uh, I remember, you know, I just had flashes of, I hit the, I remember hitting the ground and, it, well, him being on top of me and trying to throw down punches, and then me just, uh, you know, tying him up and and starting to work some submission game, and, and then and then getting back to our feet. I don't really remember too much of it until I didn't really come completely back to until the second round when I had him in the double leg up against the cage. So I couldn't really tell you what I was thinking. But, dude, I got to say, man, your fucking bottom game is ridiculous. You know, like a lot of people, they say, oh, Chaz is just a wrestler. But, dude, your jits is nasty. You're going for leg locks. Obviously, we mentioned the darts from side control on bottom. So, I mean, do you think that uh, people haven't aren't fully aware of what you're capable of on the ground? You know, I don't know. You know, I'm a, I feel like I'm, when it hits the ground, I'm a, I'm a different, different animal than a lot of people because... I have a different style, you know, I'm not really, I'm not very orthodox in anything I do when it comes to striking, wrestling, or jiu-jitsu, so, you know, the way that I move in, in the submissions that I throw up, I throw up from different places than a lot of people would, so, you know, it's hard to train for somebody like me unless there's somebody like me in the gym and there's not a lot of guys that grapple like I do, so I, I do think that people are probably pretty aware of what I'm bringing to the table because... You know, I know that I know that there's not a lot of guys that are going to want to hit the ground with me just because of the awkward, awkward style. Yeah. Now, James, obviously, we're talking about unorthodox submissions, and we all know that you possess some very unorthodox submissions. I mean, you're the tallest guy in the UFC lightweight division. And I get to the fan questions at the end of the show, but you know, since we're on this topic, I gotta know, man, what is your favorite submission? The Darce choke. Even though I have. Um I have, you know, uh, several wins. There are a couple wins by Rene Kachoke and a couple wins by uh, Guillotine. The Darce is my best too, and I'm actually that one that that, that um, Chaz tried the, the 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 side control from the bottom uh, Darce attack. That's one of my favorite ones too. I'm actually pretty good at that submission. It must, it must be a Texas thing. I guess so. <laughs> but I'm pretty good with that one too. I've hit a few, several people, good people in practice with that because they don't, they don't really expect that. Now, it's one of those moves like usually if you catch someone and you're never going to catch them that particular person again in it, but you can hit it on a lot of good people because they just don't see it coming. But uh, the Darts Dark is definitely, from any position, is definitely my favorite move and I, it's my highest percentage on, on finishes as well. Yeah, well, they say everything's bigger in Texas, right? Yep. <laughs> so, uh, Chaz, I mean, obviously, sometimes when you get wrestler versus wrestler, it turns into a bang fest. I mean, do you think you guys are going to go out there and throw some bombs, or you think there's going to be a, a dick measuring contest and see who gets that takedown first? 
I think I'm going to go out there and throw some bombs. I can't really speak for him. I don't know, you know, what he's thinking, but I know I'm looking for finishes. So when it's on the feet, I plan on throwing hard. Uh, you know, he's the type of guy that I heard he has been working on his striking a lot. So I'm sure that I'm the type of guy that he would think would be a good person to try and showcase that against. But, you know, once I hit him with a couple good shots, I think he's going to change his mind and look for a takedown. And, you know, I'm a I'm an all-around fighter. If a takedown presents itself, I'll take it too. I'll put him on his back, you know. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to shy away from that. I think I can submit him just as well as knock him out. So if if the opportunity presents itself, I'm not going to be stubborn and just look for a knockout. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look to submit him too. And bonuses come in both, both forms. Yeah, and I think there's a fundamental difference between the two of you because, you know, like we briefly mentioned earlier, if he gets taken down... As of now, what we've seen, you know, he doesn't really react well off his back. But for you, you know, if you get taken down or you happen to land on your back, you know, you're attacking for subs. So, I mean, do you think that part of the game is going to be a big difference here? Or is it just going to be you knocking out Darren Elkins? Yeah, I think that'll be, I think that's going to come into play. You know, he's a durable guy, so you can't go out there and say, I'm just going to knock him out. You know, you don't know how a fight's going to play out. It could be a three-round grinder. It could be a you know, a first round, you know, 10 second knockout. You just never really know it's a fight. And uh, the guy's durable. You know, he's been around for a long time. He's been in there with some of the best. So I think, I think that the technical aspects of the ground game are definitely going to come into play at some point in the fight. Yeah. Now, James, I mean, I want to know like your mindset here, because sometimes when guys think that they're going to finish someone in the first round and then it goes past the first round, you know, they mentally it, it fucks with them a little bit so you know when you fought Valmir Lazaro and you realize right away that hey this is gonna be a long night I mean what goes through your head are you just like all right I'm up for the challenge no big deal or is it like fuck man I gotta I really gotta fight this guy for 15 straight minutes yeah I think it just depends on how mentally strong you are um like we talked about before, there and Chaz knows this also. There's some guys you get in there in the first minute, you know that you can break them. You're like, okay, I'm going to break this guy's will. And then there's some guys you get in there with, and you're like, this guy ain't going nowhere. We're in for a long night. You just you can't control that. You but you can if you you're experienced enough, you can tell who who will break and who won't. And with him, I knew he wasn't going to break. Once like the first minute, I was like, I was like, we're in. For a long night. Well, I knew it, and I and, and I prepared for that because I saw all of his fights, and and I saw how good he was um, leading up. Even though that was his UFC debut, he had he had stopped he had stopped two different, I believe, two different UFC veterans before. He stopped one guy with the body kick. Um, I knew I knew he wasn't going to go anywhere, so I was. You just have to be prepared mentally, and you have to learn when the, with the more experience you have. Like I don't have a lot of pro fights, but I have four UFC fights, and I have four Ultimate Fighter fights, so that's a lot of experience in itself. And you, you learn how to adapt during the fight. You have to. Because if you can't make adjustments during the fight, you're, you're, you're not going to go for it. Yeah, man. And, I mean, you've been in there with two uh, D1 wrestlers. You've been in there with seasoned strikers. You've been in there with jiu-jitsu guys. What do you think about Glaco Franca? I think that he, like, he's well-rounded. But as far as, like, I guess I could say his skill set is is – is proficient basically all he's basically the same in everything he's like but I, I don't think he's polished in anything i think he's like a mid-tier five like from a one to ten skill he's a five on everything he's mediocre at everything he's not great at anything he's well-rounded enough i have to respect him and he's a big strong guy it's, you know six foot tall has a half half inch longer reach than i have 
but I don't think his his hands aren't good. His kicks are hard, but his wrestling is 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 good for a Brazilian guy, but not necessarily Hey, which one of y'all is using that microwave right now? That's me. <laughs> I, I can totally hear that shit. What, what, you, oh, what, what, what you cooking up, man? I got to know about this diet for UFC 196. Well, I actually, just, I actually just got back from training. I've been... Uh, I haven't eaten dinner yet because I went to... I went to train. I had my, you know, snack, and then I went to train, and I went straight from training over to get some some running in. I ran, got some miles in, and then I hit an hour in the sauna. So I'm just, I literally just walked in the door when you guys called me. So I'm eating a uh, sweet potato, three ounces of chicken breast, a uh, cup of kale, and then just some. That's it, right for right now. And then right before I go to bed, I'll eat two egg whites and a in a whole egg damn son that's dedication i mean do you have a nutritionist or you just have all this shit figured out yourself yeah i've been uh this fight you know i've been talking to lou the same guy who did johnny hendrix uh yeah i i, I didn't use him because of johnny or anything like that i i was actually talking to him before and before my Souza fight i didn't use him for that i've always kind of just done my own thing and uh brian levick is a guy that helps me with PR stuff. And Brian said, Hey, I got this guy, you know, you need to meet him. He's a great nutritionist. And my thing is I want to be ready year round. Now, you know, I've taken time off in between fights and, but, but not time off that I wanted. It was, I, I've broken my foot several times and I've had injuries, you know, during the fights and outside the fights. And I've been forced to take time off and my weight's gotten up there and, I just don't want that anymore. I don't. I don't want that. I, I want to be a guy that's ready at, at all costs. You know, I want to make money, and I want to be able to take fights, and and I want to stay in shape year round. You know, I'm. A, I like to work hard, and it's it's really it's difficult to get in there and really really work hard when you're working on getting back in shape because you were hurt. So, uh, anytime, no matter what, from now on, if even if I am hurt, I'm still the things I can control. Is I can work on doing the in my diet. I can stick to my diet, and I can keep my weight down, and then I can I can lift weights on anything that's not injured. You know, so I'm going to be doing that from now on. So I, I was willing to talk to Lou and and see what he had to say, and and uh, just really figure out a diet plan for myself outside of the camp as well as inside. I, you know, he 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 laid this all out for me for the weight cut this time, but. More what I'm looking for is the outside of the camps, you know, just to stay ready and stay stay in optimal shape. And how do you feel? I feel great right now. I mean, I'm I'm at 160 pounds, and lean mean fight machine, baby. That's you know, right. I, I feel I feel great. Uh, I usually show up on Tuesday of the fight at 158. I'm at 160 right now. So I'll probably, I would imagine I'll probably show up on Tuesday at 156 or 155. So it should be a pretty easy wake up. Now, James, I know you got something to say about uh, Chaz's comments about staying in shape despite being injured and stuff like that. So, you know, take it from here, man. Yeah, he, he's absolutely right. It's rough. Um, 
trying to stay in shape when you're when you're constantly injured. I've had a number of injuries. I've only fought four times in three and a half years, um, which has really killed my career. I mean, I, I haven't lost. I've been doing good, but I, I just have to stay healthy. I, I say I think my problem is I have been, I've just been overtrained myself, and I'm fine. What's messed up is these last couple injuries. I actually have been smart. Because of the surgery I've had, I've been smart about it. I still been injured, but I, I've been trying to also. I've kind of went wild on my diet once I had this hip surgery because I knew there's no way I was fighting for a few for at least six months. So I just kind of ate what I wanted to. And now I, I'm really I got two months until my camp, and I, I'm I'm mean, I'm already in shape right now. I'm in great shape. I've been been training 100 twice a day for the last three months. Since I got released from my hip, I've been doing two-a-days, and I'm in shape, so it's kind of more of a lifestyle thing, like it always has been, and then I'm about to start my diet with George Lockhart uh, probably Wednesday when I get when I get to training camp in Maryland and everything. Yeah, man, and what was the process like, you know, getting back in shape, and not just as a fighter, but for people that are listening to the show that want to get in shape, you know, while you were injured and you had your surgery you weren't allowed to train so you know you ballooned up a little bit now a lot of people can find influence by the fact that you know you did lose that weight so you want to talk about that a little bit well i saw i haven't lost all of it i'm still still a little ballooned up. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a big lightweight man I, I walk around now but another thing is i'm just older too you know I, i'm tw- tomorrow's actually my birthday and i'll be 20 29 years old happy birthday man thanks thanks and um, uh, I uh, I used to, when I was on the Ultimate Fighter show, when I got on the show, I walked around at 175 pounds, walking around every day. When I started boxing, I, well, I boxed at 165, and I walked around at 165. But now I walk around about 190 pounds. It's, it's a tough cut, but it's a lot of it is, like, I always train hard, and I'm always in shape year-round. But the weight cut is the thing. Like like Chess says, you, you do, we do have to get that under control, especially guys like us who, who are on a good win streak, and we're trying to make it you know make it to the top 10 and get paid money because at this point now could i take a big fight on two weeks notice um from a from a conditioning standpoint i could but from a weight cut i, I couldn't do it i couldn't cut the weight in two weeks so that's something that especially after this next fight i need to keep my weight under control big time and and i, I was in between fights this last time but uh once i got hurt and i had the surgery i knew that, that I, I might as well enjoy life a little bit even i want it because there, it's not like I'm going to be fighting soon. But after this fight, I'm definitely going to do the same thing he's doing and, and probably stick with Lockhart's diet and do rounds yeah. and, um, and keep my weight down. Yeah, man. And I mean, obviously, you are the tallest man in the UFC lightweight division. Even when you're in incredible shape, how tough is that weight cut? It's hard. Even when I'm, when I'm in a like, top, tip, top shape, I'm still 185 pounds now. So it's rough. But I, I'm really good in the sauna. Like I can, like I can kill it in the sauna. No other. Like I can. I, I guess I'm mentally strong. Like I can stand the sauna for. Like I can cut weight like no other. I usually when I when I get there, I'm still usually on Tuesday. I'm still these last couple weigh-ins. Well, it was really bad in Australia because the the flight over there was 30 hours, and I drank three gallons of water. I got there nine days in advance. I was 30 pounds over. But the first workout, I lost six pounds, and, and like all I did was j- run jog two miles, and I lost. And then I in shadow box like four rounds, and then I lost like six pounds. But I'm usually fifteen to twenty pounds out still, even on that Tuesday. So I, I lose fifteen pounds in the last three days every time. 
that's serious dedication, man. I mean, it, it goes back to what you're talking about, that mentality of just wanting it more. You know, the guy who's willing to run the extra miles. He's willing to spar the extra rounds. He's willing to cut that extra weight. So, yeah, man. Props to you. Now, Chaz, last time we spoke, Jose Aldo was the champion in your weight class. Now, as we all know, there's a new champion. First of all, what do you think of that 13-second performance, and what do you think about the new champion that you're coming for? Oh man, I was, I was, a little, I was upset about the the fight for sure. You know, Jose Aldo is one of those guys. He's uh, one of the best. You know, one of the best featherweights of all time. The best featherweight of all time. So that was hard to watch. Um, as far as Conor McGregor goes, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. He went out there and he did what he said he was going to do. Um, which is respectable. As far as the guy himself, I think he's a douchebag. I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't know him personally. I've never hung out with him, obviously. So I can't really say too much about him on a personal level, but just the way he conducts himself, I think he's just kind of a fucking douche. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'd love to fight him. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, James, so obviously he took the title that Chaz is coming for, but now he's going for the title that you're coming for. So, I mean, what do you think about Conor versus RDA? I, I think McGregor's going to win as much as a, of, a, of a douche as he is. I mean, I, I think it's funny. I'm not going to lie. He's very entertaining. I, I, I think he's good for the sport. And I think that, I think that he's going to – I think everything he's saying is right. I think that RDA is good. RDA has better wrestling than – than a little bit better than wrestling than, than um, Aldo does. But when he says RDA is a bum version of Aldo, I agree with that. I think all if Aldo and RDA fought today, I think Aldo would whip his ass. Interesting. I think, I think Aldo's a better fighter. I think um, RDA is, uh, has really has really progressed and is obviously a, 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 a great world champion right now. But he, like he had said, he has tasted the canvas. He has been KO'd unconscious. And those things still probably do linger in his mind from time to time. And I think that, I think that he's just a like he said he's a bum version of Aldo. I don't think he's as good as Aldo. And I think he's going to run in swinging, probably lunging wild. Uh, I think he's not going to come out the way Aldo. I think he's going to be a little smarter because he saw what happened. But I think Connor finishes him within three rounds. Now, James, I, I spoke to Benil Dariush. Obviously, he's in your weight class. He's RDA's main sparring partner, and he told me that RDA's pressure is just. It's something that you can't replicate unless you're in there with him. You know, he obviously, Benny went uh, three rounds with Michael Johnson, who we know is a very good fighter. He said that RDA's pressure makes Michael Johnson look like an amateur. So do you think there's any chance that RDA goes in there and can cut off that ring, can, can you know, close the distance and potentially put McGregor on his ass? Yeah, for sure. He, he maybe can cut him off and close the the distance and, and get the takedown, but if, if he comes in swinging wild like he did against Cerrone, he's going to get clipped on the chin just like Aldo did. I, I, I'll bet I'll bet the house on that. Um, I mean, another thing, I mean, as is, is much as Conor McGregor talks everything, the dude's been boxing since, like, you can tell he he has a, he was a real boxer. Like, he, I think he probably had, like, he had to have had numerous amateur fights. Like, he, he has a boxer's punch. He turned the way he carries his body. The way he, he doesn't load up on his shots, the way he steps off the right way, and it just I mean, four ounce gloves with those little gloves, I think it's I think he's gonna catch um uh 
RDA, and I think RDA, I think McGregor has great pressure. And the difference is, is I think McGregor can pressure with better defense. He's a pressure fighter with better defense. Um, now he's been hit a few times. I remember when Chad, you know, Chad Mendez caught him and stuff like that with some big shots. But besides that, I've never seen him any of his fights him taking any shots. And I don't think he's going to be against guys who are bigger punchers. I think he he's smart enough to know better. And I'm, of course, I mean, I'm not saying all those uh, signers doesn't have a chance. But if I'm betting my money, I'm picking McGregor. Now, Chas Kelly, is the featherweight champion going to become the lightweight champion as well? I don't know. I see it a little differently. I think RDA takes him down and submits him. Like in one minute and within three like in, rounds? Like in uh, the first or second round, I think he gets a submission. I, I don't think I don't think McGregor's ground game is, has developed as well as he likes to he likes to say it has. I mean, you know, Chad Mendes took him down fairly easily and and stayed on top of him and, and landed ground and pound. Didn't uh, he went for that guillotine? Fell off. I mean, I think he was just exhausted at that point. Anyways, he was out of shape. But I think uh, I think Dos Anjos takes him down and, and pretty much has his way with him on the ground. Now let's say that does happen. Let's say RDA does win this fight. Do you think that McGregor comes back to to your weight class, or do you think he just lets it go and maybe Max and Frankie or Max and Jose, Frankie and Jose, maybe they can settle it. What do you think? I think they got to give Jose Aldo another crack at him. Yeah, e- even with as definitive as that first result was. Yeah, I mean it was one one punch. You know, I mean it's a fight. It was one punch. Uh, I don't know. You know, anybody can get clipped. Uh, I think. I think that. The, I think they need to give it another. I think they need to run it back for sure. I mean, obviously, as a fan, I'd watch. But I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of both guys. You know, obviously, Chaz, you're you're the guy that goes in there and fights these guys. So I, I can understand why you're not a fan. But I'm just the guy that sits back and enjoys. So from my perspective, I mean, I love Jose Aldo. I mean, it's the greatest featherweight of all time. But I don't I don't really want to see him like get hurt per se. He was undefeated for ten years and then gets knocked out cold in thirteen seconds. So it's you know, it's like Dana White said, you get old overnight, but at the same time, I don't think that Aldo's completely done. I still think he has something left in the tank, but do you think he still has what it takes to be champion again, Chaz? Yeah, I think he's got a lot left in the tank. I think I think he got clipped, you know. Well, I mean, he got, he just got, you know, he got knocked out. It happens. You know, I think it, it could happen to anybody, you know, and it's happened to most. So I don't think... I don't think you should read too much into it. You know, I don't know, has he ever been knocked out before in his career? I don't know. I've never looked back. And nah, he I hasn't. Know, I don't know what his record is or anything, but, uh, you know, I always, if it happened again, you know, if he if he started getting dropped in fights and, and uh, you know, knocked down or knocked out by, by, fight, by uh, punches that really shouldn't hurt him, then it's, you know, it's time to hang him up. But I think... I think from a technical aspect, I think James kind of kind of uh, hit the nail on the head right there. Jose Aldo made a mistake. He came in, and he lunged in, and Connor stepped off and just threw that, and threw that hook, and, and it landed on the button. You know, I, I think that he just made a mistake right there. You know, he came in just too overzealous. I think that all the talk and all the trash talk and all the buildup just got to him, and it didn't get to Connor, obviously, and he got caught, so... Now, let me ask you this. Let's say that Connor does stay the featherweight champion. You work your way up. You get that title shot. How do you think you deal with all the trash talk that would be coming your way? 
I like to talk. I like to talk trash myself, so I think it'd be. Uh, I think it'd be right up my alley. That's not. You know, he's talking trash to a bunch of fucking retards, and these guys are just taking it, and they're not saying shit back because they don't have anything to say because they can't think. They're just fucking meatheads that have nothing to say. You know, if he talks shit to me, I'm gonna talk shit back. I, I love talking shit. I that's, that's what I live for. You know, my friends and I. That's, that's what we do. You know, I don't. I don't know. I'm good at talking trash, so uh, I, it wouldn't get in my head. I know that. I mean, you know, none of that. I do it on a daily basis. My friends and I. That's just the way that we talk to each other. So that would be that would be awesome for me. I think it'd be good press. Well, that's a fucking great mentality, my man. And James, I mean, you might have the opportunity to fight him too because, you know, he is challenging for your title next. Let's say he takes it. I mean, how, how would you deal with it, bro? Um, I, well, I agree with Chad. I like talking shit too. Everyone knows I'm pretty much a shit-talking, pretty vocal person as well. I don't think that I'm as good a shit-talker as him. I don't think anybody's as good a shit-talker as him. Like he's, he is on another level of talking shit, but I, I don't, it doesn't mean I wouldn't get some good shit in there to say. But um, I, I, I'm not really the, – to be honest with you, like, and I, I know Chaz probably agrees with this too. Like, for me, these guys are just ahead of us for, as far as where their career is at, but I don't see any, any characteristic in him that I don't see having myself. Like, people see how much he believes in him. Guess what? I believe in myself just as much as he believes in himself. I study the same shit he does. I, you know, I, I practice the same shit he practices. You know, I don't really see – the only thing that separates me from this guy is, in my opinion, is that he's been training 10 years longer than me. I didn't even start training until I'm 20 years old in anything. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't wrestle. I didn't do jiu-jitsu. I didn't do anything. I didn't start box stars 20 years old. So, and, and I'm beating guys that have been training 10 years longer than me. In my mind, the only reason why his, his career is ahead of mine is because he's been training all these years. So I don't see any characteristic in him that, that, that I don't have in me. So I, I think that I, in my mind, I, I could be anybody in the world. So he would just be another guy I'm fighting that would be the greatest payday I ever had in my life. Yeah, I agree. He also has that platform to vocalize it. You know, for, for somebody like me or, or James, we haven't necessarily had that platform to vocalize you know, people. He's had a lot of interviews. He's had a lot of, you know, he's had a lot of big press interviews where they ask him questions, and the answers he gives are just answers of like the way he believes in himself, the things that he's saying. And, and I respect the guy because, I, as much as I say, you know, he's a douchebag the way he acts, whatever. You got to respect. I mean, his fighting speaks for itself. I mean, he's he's going out there and he's putting on shows and he's doing exactly what he says he's going to do, and that's respectable. And the way that he the way that he believes in himself is exactly like James said, the way that I believe in myself, the way that he believed, the way that James believes in himself. I don't think that anybody's any different. You know, I mean, obviously some people are head cases. I'm not one of them, but you know, he just has had a bigger platform to really express that. And he's very vocal about it. So people have been like, wow, this is what separates this guy is because of the way that he believes in himself. That doesn't separate him from me. I'll tell you that. For sure, that doesn't separate him from me. He just had the chance to tell everybody that that's what separates him from everybody else. Wow. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And it's like Chad Mendes said about him often. It's a lot easier when you have a whole country behind you. I mean, uh, uh, you hate to say it like this, but he, Chad Mendes said that before they fought. He's like, I wish I wish American fans would get behind us, behind him like, like his country does. The difference is, is he's such a big star in his country because there's no other mixed martial arts uh, artists that are that good over there 
and with no other sports that are that you know he he's making a sport like we have football with we have basketball we have baseball we have professional golf like they don't have as many popular athletes over there as we do here so it's a lot easier to become a superstar in, in the UFC if you're from another country what people get that are not in America, there, there, there's a there's a million people that train every day or are, are a hundred thousand. So we don't get a platform to, to display ourselves as much. Like I said, I'm not going to act like he's not special because he's definitely special. Uh, his shit talking alone, he's so good at what he says that that's in the way that he it's funny and everything's funnier than accent. You know, when you talk an accent, that shit is funny too. When you're telling jokes <laughs> and accents, I think a lot of people would agree with that. But um. He, he, I don't believe that this dude believes in himself any more than than, than than a lot of the fighters. He's just had you know opportunities, and the, the matchups have been good for him as well. Like so I'm not, I do think that, I mean what he did with 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 um uh, with Aldo was was crazy impressive, was impressive. Um and like Chester, I don't think that Aldo's a shot fighter. I think he just got caught the same way. If you remember, remember when uh, Mark Honnick fought the three, uh, Korean zombie? Yeah, yeah. Honnick's not for his chin, and he just come out. And he got. Caught on the button. I think that punch would have probably knocked out anybody that he hit all the way because all the went into it. I mean, like he said, he's right. But you know, precision. You know, uh, precision and, and uh, uh, beats power and Tommy beats speed. He was one hundred percent right with that. And he has a lot of crafty shit. But saying that doesn't make him special. But I think that um, I still think that there's there's other fighters that can beat him. But his self belief is good. But I just don't feel like he has any more self belief than I have. Now let me ask you guys this. Now obviously. I'm not the fighter, but this is my perspective on that Hominick thing. So, Hominick and Aldo, they actually have something in common. Prior to them getting knocked out in, you know, the first exchange of their fights, they both had five-round wars that were very intense. You know, obviously, Chad and Jose, they went five hard rounds, and then the very next fight, that's when uh, Jose got knocked out in 13 seconds. And then with Hominick's case, he had to go five rounds with Aldo, and I mean, you remember that hematoma on his head. He was taking so much damage, and then the next fight, that's when he gets knocked out in, you know, 10 seconds. So, James, I mean, do you think that fi those five-round wars had anything to do with it, or was it just a matter of r rushing in and getting caught? Well, um, maybe maybe with Hominick, because Hominick is a fighter that's taken a lot of damage throughout his whole career. But I don't think that Aldo's taking a lot of damage, in, unless he's taking it in sparring matches, which is possible, because, you know, I hear they do... Uh, sparred very hard down there in his camp, but um, he, he don't take a lot of uh, damage and a lot of big shots in his head, you know, as far as uh, throughout a whole career. I, I haven't seen him be in a lot of wars. The Mendez was really the only one I've ever seen him just be in a war where most of his fights are really one-sided. So unless he's getting the damage and sparring, um, I don't think that one fight was enough to take that out of him because he's still young. He's still a young guy. He's, what, 28, 29 years old. Right, so Chaz, you also think it's a coincidence that you know they both had these extreme five-round wars, and then the very next fight they get knocked out in the first exchange. Yeah, you know, I think it's a coincidence. I think, uh, you know, I mean, it could be correlated. You know, obviously, you can only take so much. Your chain can only take so much, and your your head can only take so much damage. But like James said, I, I also agree that I don't think Jose's taken a ton of damage throughout his career, and I I do think that Hominick has taken more more damage and I think you know you look at somebody like everybody gets talk you look at somebody like like look at GSP you know getting knocked out by Sarah and then coming back and just dominating and never having a problem with his chin again you know he never he didn't have a you know even he went a huge war with well you know he went a, he had a good war with uh 
what's it, uh, Carlos Condit, you know, a good striking war with Carlos Condit, and, and then he his chin was fine, you know, going into the Hendricks fight, obviously. You know, he took a lot of big shots in the Hendricks fight, and he didn't, uh, his chin held up, so... I don't know. You know, they could be directly correlated. I'm, you know, I went to school for 10 years, but I'm no doctor, so if you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> well, I think you guys actually, not actually, but you guys do bring up some very good points. And, yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. And now, this coming weekend is the return of the greatest fighter of all time, Anderson the Spider Silva. Obviously, he's fighting Michael Bisbing. And, you know, man, it's going to be really interesting because – you know, at one point in time, Anderson was untouchable. He had this aura about him. I thought at the time that this dude, he was going to retire undefeated. I thought he was untouchable. I mean, he would do shit that no one else would do at the time. I mean, put your put his hands down and just fucking, you know, back himself up against the fence. Be like, come on, motherfucker, throw everything you got at me. And then he'd do some fancy head movement and knock you out. It reminds me of uh, Roy Jones Jr. You know, if you go and you... Uh, you watch a Roy Jones Jr. highlight video. You know, he's got his hands behind his back. He's sticking his chin up. He's making dudes look like idiots. But the thing that Roy Jones Jr. and Anderson Silva have in common is that during their prime, you know, one of the things that they really used effectively was their speed. Now, we all know that as you get older, speed is the first thing to go. Obviously, power is the last thing to go. But speed is the first thing to go. Now, with guys like Anderson and Roy, obviously, they are very technical, but they did rely a lot on their speed. That's why they're able to keep their hands down and do all that cocky shit that I find entertaining. So, now that Anderson's 40 years old, and not that Bisbing's a spring chicken or anything like that, but he is he is quite a bit younger. I mean, does Bisbing have a chance to get this upset here, James? I know Anderson's your all-time favorite fighter, but let's put the, the fan cap aside and let's put the betting perspective on here. Do you think there's a chance for this plus 255 upset? No, no. I'll never probably with Anderson Silva. <laughs> He's going to murder Bisbing. No, no I, I, do, I think that um, even though, honestly, I think even though Anderson is older, I think Bisbing has taken more damage in his career. He's, I mean, he's... He, he's been in some wars and he's taken a lot of shots. And um, uh, I don't think that um, I don't think the only way the only way Bismarck can win this fight, in my opinion, is a decision. Um, he, he's not going to finish Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva has more than one way to finish him. I think Anderson Silva could submit him or or knock him out. Um, maybe Bismarck could possibly hold him down, but. I see Anderson possibly catch him and finish him because Bisbing, if he comes in trying to throw volume on Anderson Silva, he's going to get caught, uh, most likely. I mean, I mean, Nick, and it's hard to throw volume on Anderson Silva because he faints, he moves. Nick Diaz is known for a, a person who throws tons of volume, and he didn't throw volume on Anderson Silva. Um, we'll see how it goes. I mean, Bisbing's, you know, big Nick Diaz and stuff, but I think that Anderson, I'm not going to stylistically. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in Anderson's prime when he was champ, obviously I'd pick him via first round knockout, but man, a lot of shit's changed since then. You know, the aura's gone, you know, his leg broke, fucking Marcos from Thailand, all this bullshit. Chas Kelly, who's going to win this fight? Uh, Anderson Silva, you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from Bisping. I, I think that Bisping's a great, great leader. You know, I don't think Bisping gets a lot of credit, but I just think stylistically, Bisping's not a guy with power, um, and he's not going to be able to knock out Anderson. 
And like Jamie said, I don't think he's going to be able to put the pace and the and the uh, um, volume on him that he would need. The only way that he could possibly win the fight would just be by by point uh, outpointing him. You know, just just pitter patter shots outpointing him. But I just don't see that happening. I see Anderson coming out with a little a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, a little bit of an attitude, and trying to actually put him away instead of fucking around. You know, I don't think he's going to come out there. Uh, I think he's gonna put on a show. He likes to put on a show, man. He's a show showsman. That's that's what he does. I think he's gonna feel him out in the first round, like he always does. He he likes to kind of start slow and feel people out and see where they're at. I think once he gets the rhythm, I think he puts him to sleep. Yeah, I mean, it would be cool to see a vintage Anderson Silva performance. I mean, that's what when I started watching the sport, it was guys like him that were like, "Wow, this is the best sport." On planet Earth, and I mean, in the co-main event of the evening, Gegard Mousasi is taking on Talis Latus. Mousasi is minus three twenty-five. The comeback on Latus is plus two sixty-five. And man, Mousasi, I mean, this dude's been around the block. He's fought everyone. He's fought Jacare. He's fought Mark Hunt. He's been in there with Machida. He's literally, he's literally been in there with everyone. And now he's fighting Talis Latus. Now. Here's the thing with Latus. In my opinion, he's one of the most improved fighters in the middleweight division. I mean, a lot of people recall his fight with Anderson Silva where he's, you know, flopping to his back for five straight rounds. But nowadays, you know, he's been training with Novo now. He's going out there. He's knocking guys out in the first round. And obviously, we can't forget about his uh, credential Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I personally think there's a very good chance for an upset here. What do you think, James? I agree. Um, I love Musashi. I've always been a fan of his. Um, uh, I think the key is is gonna be um, if Latus can take him down. I think if he can mix it up. I don't think Latus is gonna submit Musashi, but I think he can control him on the ground because Musashi has had had problems with that in the past. Um, if if with the odds being the way they are, I, I would take a chance on Latus. I would, but. If they're close odds, I'm picking Musasi to win. Um, I think Musasi, I think he had something to prove now. You know, he's kind of upset about um, uh, the whole Robert Wood thing. I don't know. Has he, has he fought him once since then? Since the, I mean, since uh, the real Ryan Hall fight? No, nah, that was his last fight, man. See, I'm sure, I think he's going to be hungry after that because, I mean, I think nine times out of ten, Musasi beat Ryan Hall. And, um, uh, I think he believes that also, and um, I, re- I just really always like Musashi. Super well-rounded. The one problem he has had is his takedown defense. Um, but I think that, I think he can beat him. A three-round fight, I think I think he'll win. But with the odds being the way they are, with him that with maybe that much chance to win that much money on him, I would take a chance with that for sure. Chas Kelly. Yeah. Um. I'm a big fan of Musashi. I've always I've been a big fan of Musashi for a long time. I don't think I don't think Talis Leitas is going to be able to take him down. Actually, I think I think the Musashi might actually put Talis Leitas on his back and and control him from the top. To be honest with you, so I take Musashi decision. All right. Now the fans wanted us to talk about Neil Magny versus Hector Lombard, and it's pretty much a even matchup. Lombard's the slight favorite, but man, Neil Magny, he's got the longest reach in the UFC welterweight division, and this dude's just been improving, like, you know, under the radar. He's going out there against guys like Kelvin Gastelum, and he's out-wrestling 
Kelvin Gastelum, and I just feel like this guy, he's a workhorse, man. You know, back when he was on Tough, it wasn't really that impressive. Then his first couple UFC fights, it was just, uh, you know, just another run-of-the-mill fighter, but he's really separated himself from the pack, and he's just getting better every single time, and Lombard obviously is coming off that, uh, that, that suspension, so we'll have to see how he looks. I think Neil Magny is going to be the hungrier guy here. What do you think, James? Uh, I think that um, it would do depends on what the suspension and if, if Lombard really was, you know, if, if you know, if it's depending on how Lombard's mental state is. But, I mean, I think stylistically this is a bad matchup for Magnet, to be honest with you, because he doesn't have the power to knock out Lombard. He has the uh, the ability to outpoint him, but... He may not, he may have not wrestled Kevin Gastel, but I don't think he's taking judo Olympian Hector Lombard down with the hips he's got. Um, you know, Tim Bosha, one eighty five power wrestler, you know, um, couldn't take him down. I mean, it's possible, but I think that I think this is a bad matchup for him. I think that Lombard's speed is so good too. His hand speed is phenomenal. His power is phenomenal. Um, he's, he's he's good at stalking and walking people down. I think Magnus going to try to move on, maybe try to. But if, if Magny initiates a clinch, and the reason why I say it's a bad matchup, because Magny was able to do a lot of upper body, you know, uh, takedowns on Kelvin Gaston, but if he tries upper body clinches on, on Hector Lombard, he's been dumped on his face. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think Lombard, Lombard is going to win the fight. That uh, Lombard versus Jake Shields fight was very eye-opening. I mean, the way he judo throw Jake Shields, one doesn't simply judo throw. Jake Shields. Now, Chaz, I mean, I got to know, do you think that Hector Lombard can close the distance on that 81-inch reach? No, I, I think it's a bad matchup for Hector Lombard. I, I, if you would have asked me this question three years ago, I would have said Hector Lombard's going to, uh, Neil Magny's going to end up face down on the canvas, you know, <laughs> thinking he's in the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, just, just what I've seen from Hector Lombard, as of late, well, I haven't seen anything from him as of late, but just from what I've seen from Hector Lombard, you know, specifically since he's been in the UFC, I think the guy has a has an issue with his gas tank. I think, and that's that's with some probably some some help, some Brazilian help. Yep. Um, I think what's going to happen is Neil Magny's going to come out and he's going to keep his distance for the first round. He's going to pitter patter him. And Lombard's going to throw maximum 30 punches in the first round, maximum. I mean, maybe less. But they're all going to be power shots, and he's going to be lunging in for him. I think Magny's going to stay on the outside and just use his jab and his length and his keeps and keep, keep Lombard at a distance. And as the fight goes on, I think you're just going to see it's going to be like Mike Tyson punch out. You're going to see Hector Lombard's you know, energy level just deplete to nothing and i think that uh neil magny wins a decision okay. you know, i said no i i hope i really hope uh neil magny wins neil magny is my boy we fought on a couple cards together me and him are pretty cool i hope he does win but i'm just you know i'm just giving my opinion i just think that love him really too much oh yeah james james but, keeps it real man honestly though i i mean i love if we saw vintage hector lombard you know i think hector lombard's a world beater man that guy, there's nobody with more power than him. He's impossible to take down. Um, it just, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like, 
I don't know if maybe he's dealt with injuries. I don't know if maybe he it's been a mental thing since he's been in the UFC. I just have thought I, I thought that he hasn't really fought up to his potential. And but but you know I could see Hector Lombard catching him and and putting him away. I mean he has all the ability to do that. The guy's fucking a physical specimen. So you know, but I just I just see the fight playing out with Neil Magny kind of kind of outpointing him. Yeah, and Hector is getting up there in age. He's got to be 38, 39, man, so shit. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, in your weight class, Chaz, th- you know, this is an interesting fight. Cub Swanson versus Hakaron Diaz. Now, you were supposed to fight Hakaron, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, and, uh, you know, he's one of these Nova Yao guys. He's known as the grappler from Nova Yao. You know, he's their, he's their grinder, but he's also not half bad on the feet. The thing with Cub Swanson is, man... And this dude's prime, you, 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 didn't, you don't stand up with Cub Swanson in his prime. I mean, he was so explosive. He'd go for uh, all kinds of wild techniques. He's also a jiu-jitsu black belt. But, man, it seems like uh, he started slowing down a bit. You know, I noticed it even in the Seaver fight. He had an incredible finish there. But, you know, that first round, he's getting grinded out by Seaver. Then the next fight with Jeremy, dude, that fight was close as fuck. I know... I know Cub got the unanimous decision, but I, I thought that could have gone either way. Then the next five, Frankie just fucking, you know, he takes his soul, and then Max puts the icing on the cake. So, uh, you know, I think Cub is going to be favored by the odds makers, but I, I can see Hakran totally grinding this out. What do you think, Chaz? Yeah, I think I think Cub Swanson must have got his blind belt off the internet because I think his ground game is fucking garbage. Um, but... I see Hacker Diaz being the bigger, stronger athlete, taking him down and grinding him out on the ground. Hacker's a uh, he's the type of guy. If you watch watch the Darren Elkins fight against Hacker Diaz, you can see how physically strong this guy is. Um, I've watched a lot of film on him because I was supposed to fight him. I broke him down completely, and he's a very physically strong guy. He's a he 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 doesn't move real fast. He's not real quick, um, but he is very, very, very strong. So I think that what he's going to do is I think he's going to close the distance. I think he's going to get body locks and tie-ups. I think he's going to get the takedowns. And and basically, I think it's going to be a bore fest of uh, Hacker and Diaz laying on top of Cub Swanson for three rounds. Yeah, now, James, before we get to your thoughts on this fight, James, Chaz, I mean... Did you notice how there was just this big difference in Cub Swanson, you know, fight by fight, where, you know, one of these fights, he's, he's training with Greg Jackson, he's this explosive striker, then the very next fight, he's, you know, he's training out of his basement with a boxing coach, he's got, he's got only boxing coaches in his corner, they're, be, they're yelling out, one, two, one, two, in the middle of an MMA fight, I'm like, what the fuck is going on here, bro, do you think he just doesn't take it seriously anymore, or what? No, I you know I didn't notice that. Um, I, I think he does. I think he takes it seriously, man. I, I think he's a probably a hardworking guy. He looks like he seems like he's a hardworking dude. I, you know, you never know what's going. This is this is the problem with a lot of this. You know, when you're fighting, you're only as good as your last fight. People never, you never know what's going on in somebody's life. Like you never know what's going on in somebody's actual life. You know, sometimes people's life circumstances 
really affect the way that they fight. They let that get to their head and they let that affect the way they fight. It affects the way they train and then, you know, that affects the way that they perform. So I don't know what was going on in his life. I don't know what's been going on with him personally. Maybe nothing. Maybe, maybe you know, I'm reading too much into it. I did see a difference in performance from fight to fight. Because I'm also actually, I know I made that crack about Cub Swanson's ground game, but I actually like Cub Swanson. Uh, I don't know him personally, but I actually like him as a fighter. I've watched him since he was in the WEC. And, um, he, does, he does have some good explosive. He's a quick, fast-switch guy with some good stand-up. Good striking, good explosive striking. But like you said, I don't know. Here lately it's been like maybe age is catching up to him. I don't know because he hasn't really had that explosion and that that real like killer instinct that, that I've seen in him before. Yeah, man. It's not even like he's that old. Actually, he's a little bit older than I thought. I thought he was like 29. He's actually 32. Uh, but still, man, I mean... I would just expect better performances from him. Now, here's the thing. As far as him as a person, I've met him before. Very, very nice guy. But when we're breaking down fights, you know, this is this is cold. This is ruthless. You, it's not personal. It, it is what it is. Now, James, Cub Swanson or Hakran Diaz? When is the last time Hakran Diaz fought? How long ago has it been? That's a good question. Let's look it up. I think he fought, fought Makish Valley, uh, right? Uh... He fought Makishvili in June, and I thought yeah. he lost that fight, but Makishvili is a completely different style than Cub. Oh, fuck. I thought he lost that fight, too. Yeah. Dude, wait. Before, James, before you get into this, Chaz, so, okay, so we both thought Levon beat Hakran. Now, did you see Levon's last fight with Damon Jackson? Uh, no, I actually didn't get to. I wanted to watch it real bad, and I didn't get to watch it. I missed it. Dude. Like, he looked like shit, bro. Like, it was fucking bad. Like, I was expecting, you know, after he, after what he did against Hakran, I thought he was going to go out there and just fucking take care of Damon Jackson. And, you know, it was a draw, bro. But it, a lot of people thought Jackson could have won. But, I mean, both guys just, you know, it was a, it was a terrible fight. It just No, that, that's unfortunate to hear. But the, I was heartbroken when I watched that. Uh, fight with him and Hector Diaz because that's the one I had to pull out of. Yeah, man, I can imagine. Now, James, Cub Swanson or Hakran Diaz? Um, I don't, okay, I, I, I haven't really, I've only seen Hakran Diaz fight, I believe, one time. So this is a tough thing for me because I do I do agree with what y'all are saying. I think Cub Swanson is on the way out. I think it's, um, he's taken a lot of damage over his career. I believe I saw an interview a while back where he had said he had something like nine surgeries or something like that, like where he's had just tons of amounts of damage. And another thing, it goes back to um, a lot of these guys I see in the UFC, I think uh, uh, almost like McGregor always talks about that when he was talking about Jose Aldo, these guys aren't progressing, they're maintaining. Cub Swanson has had the same style basically for like the last five years. He hasn't changed his style. He throws, does the same fancy little kicks and the same little cartwheel kicks, same hands. And he's basically just, he hasn't uh, changed anything in his game. He don't go for takedowns. He doesn't mix anything up. He and His takedown defense is, I agree with Chess. His, he's not a black belt. or I mean, he I guess he is a black belt, but he, I roll with purple belts that look like they have better jiu-jitsu than him. And um, uh, and his, it, you know, he doesn't threaten an offensive wrestling game, and he, uh, he hasn't really evolved. He's basically the same fighter. He was just always, like you said, he's a, he's a good uh, 
sets a decent explosive athlete and he sets up his strength. So it's a tough pick because I've, I've never really seen Hawker Diaz fight, but maybe one time, I think, a, a long time ago, like a couple years ago. So I, I don't know. And then both of them have been fought in almost a year or like, or at least, you know, nine, eight or nine months. Um, didn't, didn't, um, uh, Cub Swanson get his jaw broke against uh, Yeah, Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up. Oh, yeah. I'm really glad you, you mentioned that because, okay, so with some of these guys, they get their jaw broken one time. Okay, they get they get it wired shut. And then they, you know, overcome adversity, come back from it. But then when it happens that second time, that's when, you know, you start thinking about retirement. You know, you look at a guy like Eddie Wineland. He was never the same after that second uh, jaw break. And I don't think Cub Swanson is either, James. Yeah, I guess, you know, I'm going to go ahead and pick Hopper Diaz. I guess I'm just going off of one of y'all's, y'all's expertise on this fight because I've only seen him fight one time, but I, I don't really, I mean, not trying to be mean, but I just don't have a lot of faith in Cub Swanson for the future as far as you know, what he's going to be able to accomplish. Um, I think that he's just had a lot of wars, and even as uh, he has good boxing skill, good head, hands and stuff like that, but he's taken, but he's also taken a lot of shots with that. And it's different taking, having a boxing career, where you're just a stand-up fighter that exchanges and then taking those shots with four-ounce gloves. Um, so I think that uh, – and the fact that his takedown defense is really bad, I think that um, – I guess I'm going to go hot and as well. Now, Chaz, obviously you're not going to overlook Darren Elkins because, you know, you're a smart fighter. But let's say you do beat Darren Elkins. You down to face the winner of Cub versus Hakaran? Yeah, I mean, I've said – I've actually said that in a few – you know, the only reason I said that is just because that's what came to mind, the matchup that came to mind, and it's close to mind, so it would be on the same timeline. Uh, people have asked me, "What do you, so what's next for you? I'm like, what, what the fuck do you mean what's next? What's next for me is Darren Elkins. You know, that's what's next. I, I, don't, uh, I don't care who I fight after Darren Elkins. All I care about right now is, is getting this win because this is what's most important. But if, if you're going to force me to – you're gonna force me to, you know, call somebody out for the future. Uh, you know, I would, I wouldn't mind having the winner of that fight for sure. I, yeah, that's. I think that's. I think it's just uh, practical. Yeah, man. And I mean, speaking of Elkins, obviously, you know, your life's revolved around this fight right now. How up are you for this, man? How pumped are you to fight Darren? No, I've got a hard on right now. Just talking about. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I didn't play with myself during this interview. My no, man. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked, man. I mean, I feel like I'm peaking at the right time and, and everything's really coming together. You know, I, you know, I went, uh, I sparred five hard rounds today with people, you know, rotating in on me, fresh guys rotating in on me and I felt great. So I think, uh, this is just, you know, I feel, I feel like I'm peaking at the right time and doing all the right things to get there. So, I'm excited. Hell yeah, this is that next step, and fuck, I can't wait, bro. And, you know, another fight, and this is in the lightweight division, James, and we've spoken of, we've spoken about it many times off record, but Khabib versus Tony Ferguson. I know who you got, James, but, man, this is such a damn good fight. Khabib has been out for two years, but last time he fought, he beat the champion, Rafael Dos Anjos. The guy is like 20-0. and 0. You know, he's never lost a fight. A lot of people thought he actually lost to T-Bow back in the day, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. We know controversial decisions are a part of the sport. But I'll tell you what, man, I'm very impressed with Tony Ferguson. I think he's come a very long way. And, you know, he's one of these guys that it might not be the prettiest, but he's got a will to win that's second to none. And one thing I really like about him is 
he's real unorthodox. You know, he'll go for standing Dars chokes, and obviously one doesn't simply go for a standing Dars choke. We were talking earlier about how you guys like to go for the Dars chokes from, you know, bottom side control. This motherfucker goes for standing Dars chokes, and obviously he, he can knock guys out too. He's got, the, he's got good wrestling, but in this fight... He's not going to be looking to take down Khabib. I, I think he's either going to be looking to catch him with a submission or knock him out standing. And I do think that Khabib is going to have some rust here because, listen, you know, a lot of people like to talk about how the ring rust is a mental thing, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Uh, James can probably speak about that more than I can, but I will say this. When you're a wrestler like Khabib, you need your knees, bro, and he's had all these fucking knee surgeries. I don't know how he's going to chain all those takedowns like he used to because, you know, you recall Cain Velasquez coming back and he's not the same guy. I know that uh, Fabricio Werdum, he's an incredible fighter, and I think Tony's a really good fighter too, man. So I got Tony Ferguson for the upset. I know James got Khabib, so I'm going to let you go last, James. I want to hear your perspective on this fight, Chaz. I'm, uh, you know, this is a tough one. I... I'm a, I like both guys. I'm a huge Khabib fan, though. I just think, and I, I don't think that he lost that fight to Gleison Tebow. As a matter of fact, I think I won $200 on that fight. So Nice. We're just going to we're gonna put that right here and leave it. Uh, but, no, I think, I do, I, I don't know that Tony Ferguson has fought somebody. I'm trying to think of, you know, the fights that he's had. I don't think that he's fought somebody with that type of pressure. And, you, you know, you say... Dos Anjos, people say that Dos Anjos puts so much pressure it makes Michael Johnson look amateur. Well, then what's that make Khabib considering that he pressured Dos Anjos into a victory? Wow. You know. Very good uh, points. I think that Khabib puts so much pressure on people that it just breaks them. I mean, look at Abel Trujillo. You know, I mean, that guy, he's got good takedown defense, and he, he's a strong guy. And Khabib just stuck to him all fight and just – took him down over and over and over. I just don't see And, you know, Khabib's his ground game is actually good, too. Um, I, I don't know. I see him closing the distance, and I see him taking Ferguson down and, and getting the decision. But Ferguson's crafty, man. He's slippery, and that's, that's what makes him so dangerous. When you watch his movement, um, his backwards movement, going towards the cage, the way that he... You know, he'll, he'll, he'll do that shuffle like the right leg, left leg, back shuffle. As soon as he feels the presence of the cage, he's out of there. He circles out real hard, and, and th that makes him real slippery. He's a hard guy to grab a hold of because he, he shifts back and forth really well with his shoulders and his body. I don't know if that'll come into play. You know, I don't know if Khabib is really – if when you go with somebody like that that has good movement like that and they're hard to grab a hold of, you'll know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't know, James, if you train with somebody like that that just has really good movement so they're just fucking hard to grab. Yeah, you know for what sure. I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I think that here's the thing. Um, I think the one advantage that Tony Ferguson is going to have is that this is a five-round fight, and with two years off, could be, that, that is going to be rough doing five rounds. But I think that, um, like I, I made this point before, I guess, Daniel, when we talked about this before, if you go back to Tony Ferguson, when he fought Danny Castillo, he got held down for two and a half rounds. That's true. He was on his back. He couldn't get up. And what do you think? If Khabib gets him down, what do you think he's going to do? Because he, he can roll for those leg locks all he's won. It's going to be very unlikely he's catching the two-time world sambo champion in a leg lock. I mean, it's possible, but... But um, that's what he's going to be rolling for is the, the leg locks and the, the, the knee bars and shit like that when he, when he gets to put down his back. Um, uh, 
I think that uh, the the big question here is is you know could be do five rounds with um with with the, with the two year layoff. And I, I still think that he can. I think that I don't think Tony Ferguson's a good striker at all. I think he has a chin and he has heavy hands. He's a hard puncher, but his technique is not that good. He's sloppy as hell. Um, uh, he just has heavy, big punching power, especially particularly in his right hand. And um, uh, he's got a really good chin. He doesn't move his head. He doesn't move his feet that great. Um, uh, he was hard. I would something he is hard to hold down. Like he does a lot of those. Um, uh, those wrestling Granby rolls when someone grabs him, he just does that Granby four roll, which is really good. Um, and actually, I, if you go back to the Abel Trujillo fight, was with Khabib, actually, Trujillo got out of those body locks by doing that that same particular Granby roll. But uh, eventually, Khabib was able to hold him down and, and keep him down. Um, uh, it's I think it's going to be closer than than I than I than it would be two years ago, just because. Tony Ferguson has progressed, but at the same time, Khabib just hasn't fought in two years. I think if they fought two years ago, Khabib would, would smash him. I think it's going to be closer, but I still think Khabib's going to win. Yeah, and you know who actually did a really nice role like you're talking about? Uh, Dustin Poirier against Diego Ferreira. But I want to make a counter to your Danny Castillo point real quick, James, and tell me what you think about this. So, in that fight, man, he was being fucking cocky as shit. I mean, because he was fighting Danny Castillo. You know, he didn't feel threatened by the guy. He's going for standing Dars chokes. He's fighting with his hands down. And he was just being super cocky. After that fight, he said, I'm never going to fucking do that again. And four fights later, he wins a performance bonus in every single fight. He looks like a completely different guy. He looks like he's matured. And he's just got that something special about him. So do you think that, that Danny Castillo holding him down was a matter of him being cocky? Or is it really that his wrestling is not that good? Well, um, here's the thing. Danny Castillo is, is a black belt. And, and, he, and he, he was, you know, a decent college wrestler. Um, here's the thing. Who is Khabib? I mean, who, I, I mean I'm not going to lie and say that Tony Ferguson hasn't progressed a lot because he has. But who has he fought since that fight? Has he fought a high-level wrestler since then? He T-Bow was probably uh, he's a he's a good wrestler for MMA for sure. But he's not he wasn't a college wrestler. He was just a really good jiu-jitsu guy that was good, real athletic, and um, had a good blast double. Um, but he hasn't really fought like I guess a super high-level wrestler. And, and, and there's no higher-level wrestler at 155, possibly even in the UFC than Khabib. I mean, Khabib has proved it. Um, uh, multiple times now that, that that he is one of the best wrestlers in MMA as far as taking people down. Um, I'm not saying that Tony Ferguson can't wrestle. Obviously, you know he wrestled. You know I, think, I guess he was a D- Division two wrestler, but I just think that you know Khabib's got the you know the body locks, and um, I, I just think that it, he's going to pin him on the cage, or Tony Ferguson is going to start swinging all wild, and I, I just think it's a matter of time before he gets taken down. And I think that Khabib's takedowns just sap the energy out of people; they, it just drains the energy out of people. Um, I think that the main problem he's looking at is just, just can he go five rounds after two year layoff? Yeah. Now let me just uh, counter to one of your points again. So you mentioned he's never faced anyone, you know, with the credentials of Khabib, and you're a hundred percent correct; he hasn't. But don't you agree with me that guys can rise to the occasion? Because one day you're gonna be fucking fighting a, you know, a top five guy. You haven't fought a top five guy yet. People are gonna be like, oh, James has never fought a top five guy, but you can rise to the occasion, kind of like Wonder Boy did against Johnny last week. No, I, I agree, and, and, and like I said, I, I think uh, Tony Ferguson is very well rounded, and his 
his best attributes are being well-rounded and mentally strong, you know, good chin. He, he has a lot going for him, and there's a reason why he's ranked top four or five right now. But I think from a matchup standpoint, Khabib is a bad matchup for, for the majority of the division. And I think that the matchup standpoint as far as is he going to be able to th- I don't think he's going to be able to. And he's going to try, you know, his bottom game and attacks off bottom. I just don't see him submitting Khabib. And if he if he can't stop the takedown, then, then he, he's, he's screwed. You know, I just don't think – I think that from a matchup standpoint that, that he's going to – I think there's other guys that would have a better chance against Khabib than Tony Ferguson. Yeah, Chaz, you want to make any final comments on that fight? No, I, I think uh, you know I'm a I'm Team Khabib for sure. I you know I didn't know it was a five round fight, and that is a huge. That I mean, that's uh, that's pretty big. But I've never seen Khabib even come close to breaking in a fight. He's you know he's he has shown a little bit of. Uh, He's wore down in, in three round fights, but he never stops. I mean, he shows he shows a little he shows that he's tired, but he never stops. I mean, he's always coming forward and he's always fighting. And he's always getting those takedowns and stuff. And the people that he's fighting though, he's wearing them down too because of the like like James was saying those takedowns. You know, you just get zapped after you have been thrown around for fifteen minutes. It's like, fuck, man, get this guy off of me. So. Uh, yeah, I'm, I would go Khabib. The five-round fight after a two-year layoff does make it interesting, though. That's that is a huge factor that I wasn't taking into account. But I'm still, I'm still going with Khabib. All right, so we got a split decision here. Two for Khabib and one for Ferguson. Now, I want to talk about a couple fights on the card that you're fighting on, James, UFC 197. And I'm looking at the card right now. James, you're fighting on Fox Sports 1, my man. So I'm, I'm fucking pumped about that. And, uh, man, this fucking pay-per-view card is ridiculously stacked. Uh, first fight of the night in your weight class, Chaz, Yair Rodriguez versus Andre Feely. And, man, I love this kid, Yair. And I, I, I'm actually really curious to hear what you have to say about him. You know, because a lot of people... Uh, are shitting on him and they happen they they like to do that on these very hype prospects but I feel like this kid's special man and I feel like you know he's only 21 22 he's developing and I think that he might be one of these next gen guys we'll have to see what happens but Chaz it's your weight class so Feely or Rodriguez you know I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get all touchy Feely right now (laughs) uh I, I I don't know you know I think when I first saw Feely come into the division, I thought, you know, I thought that he was a very, very talented guy, and I still do think he's a very talented guy. Uh, you know, I just, I haven't been all that impressed with Yair Rodriguez. I know you're saying everybody's shitting on him. I, I just, I don't know. I just don't see it. I don't see it. I see, I see him doing some flashy stuff, and. I just think once he once he gets in there with a a guy with a solid base and some good wrestling, I think he's going to really struggle. Um, do I think that Feely is that guy? No, I think that it's going to be a war of attrition on their feet. I think that whoever lands whoever lands the better shots striking is going to end up taking it, and I think that Yair might just be a little more athletic, so. I would go with uh, Yair Rodriguez for the TKO win. Actually, you know, I don't know, though. I, 
Yair's, you know, he's tricky. He's a, you know, he's a talented guy. He's a talented young guy, so you just never know. Him. I mean, a guy like that, I think the big thing that's the, the determining factor is you never know what he's going to bring to the table from, the, from fight to fight because he's so young. It's like, how much has he improved from fight to fight? You know, I mean, there's a, there's a chance this guy just improves astronomically every fight. Yeah, definitely. And Feely, actually, I was very impressed with that last one he had against uh, Benitez. I didn't expect him to knock him out like that in the first round. James, you back in here? Yeah, yeah, I don't know what happened. Oh, it's all good, man. So what do you think about uh, Yair Rodriguez versus Andre Feely? Um, you know, I think that Yair's good. I mean, I think he's phenomenal. Like you said, I think he has a bright future. But I, I think Feely's kind of underrated, honestly. I think Feely trains in a great camp, and I think that he, um, if you go back to what's in the Holloway fight, Feely was winning that fight. I thought Feely was winning that fight before he got, got submitted. Um, uh, and that was early on in his career. Also, I think he's had more time to get polished. I think that maybe, say, they fought five years from now, Yair would, would beat him. But I think right now, I think I think Feely. So you think uh, Feely's going to do some veteran shit on him? Even, even though he's not quite a veteran, but he's a little bit more experienced as far as UFC he's, experience. He's more well-rounded. He, he's, he has ways to win. I mean, I just think it's probably going to be a decision win, but I think he's going to win. I think he's going to win the fight for sure. For sure, man. Well, uh, I'm going to go with Yair here, so we're going to have to see what happens. I I just see uh, some potential in this kid. I see something special. I like Andre a lot. He's really damn good, too. But with Andre, I, I see, uh, I don't want to say basics. I mean, you know, he beat my fucking ass. But I, 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 with Yair, I see shit that not many people can do. That's why I'm picking him. Maybe he's going to be too inexperienced at the time. But I think he can rise to the occasion. So, I mean, we'll have to see what happens. But... You know, only a couple fights left to break down, and man, I'm pumped for Robert Whitaker versus Rafael Natal because I've been saying for a long time, Robert Whitaker is the dark horse at middleweight, and you know, it's interesting, it's one of those cases, kind of like with uh, Dustin Poirier, where, you know, Whitaker was really good at 170, just like Dustin Poirier was really good at 145 pounds, but once they made that switch up a weight class, and they, you know, they stopped cutting all that weight... Man, it's really translating, and they're just putting dudes out that normally don't get put out. And I think this is going to be a showcase fight for Robert Whitaker. I think he's going to use his speed against Natal. I think he's going to catch him with a left hook or a high kick and knock him out. So, I mean, James, you got Robert Whitaker here? Yeah, I do have Robert Whitaker in the fight. I think that, uh, I think that, uh, I don't think the weight cut has a lot to do with it, honestly. Like, I think that's kind of, uh, I think guys do when they lose. Uh, I think what happened to Robert Whitaker was the matchup. I mean, Wonder Boy is a hard matchup for anybody, as we saw a couple weeks ago. Um, Wonder, Wonder Boy, if you stand up with him, you're going to lose. He's going to, he's going to. I think Wonder Boy could outstrike everybody at 185. I think Wonder Boy moved up right now. He would outstrike Luke Rockhold and Weidman or whoever. Now the problem is, I don't. I'm not saying he can beat them because he, he could possibly get taken down. But from a standard standpoint, he's bringing something to the table that other people aren't. It, it, like it's almost like the Horace Gracie was in the '90s, where he knew all this shit that nobody else knows. These guys don't know this traditional martial arts, where a guy like Wonder Boy has been doing it for since he was uh, a baby, you know. Um, so I think that uh, 
that's a stylistic matchup. I think that Robert Whitaker could beat a lot of people at 170 still, obviously. He just ran into a bad matchup. I think that, honestly, I, I think that he's, to be a world champion level guy, I think he's a little too small at 185, honestly. I think he's too small, but I think I still think he's going to be, be uh, he's going to win this fight for sure. Yeah, he is a little small, but man, he's fast as fuck for that weight class. And, you know, as far as the weight cut, I mean, he publicly said that, you know, he didn't have enough water in his brain at 170. I mean, that's, his comments, I, you know, I've never, I mean, I've been in a sauna before, but I've never cut weight for a fight, so I can't comment. But Chaz, I got to know, man, Robert Whitaker or Rafael Natal? I'll go with Robert Whitaker. I think it, I, I think it's going to look a lot like the Brett Tavares fight. That was uh, a very good night, by the way. James uh, submitted Jake Matthews that night. Robert knocked out Brad Tavares, both underdogs. Take it from here, Chaz. Right. Yeah, I think. Uh... You know, I do think I think Whitaker's just I think that uh, he's a little more technical, a little quicker. You know, I think that's all brings a lot to the table. He's a very tough guy. Obviously, what's he? What's some tall? He's on like a four, three or four or five win streak, isn't he? Yeah, man, he's on a four or five win streak, and he's uh, I don't I don't know if he's looking better than ever, but he's on a streak. But you know, at the same time, I think. Uh, you know, I think I think Whitaker's gonna catch him. I think he's gonna clip him and and put him away. Yeah, well, we got a consensus here. We're all picking Robert Whitaker via knockout. Now, next up in the lightweight division, Anthony Showtime Pettis versus Edson Barbosa. Holy shit, we've been waiting a long time for this one. And man, I was very let down by Pettis' last performance against Eddie. I thought he was gonna go out there, you know, kick him in the body really hard, kick him in the chin really hard, and. I got to say, man, his kicks didn't have the same pop that they normally have on them. I don't know if that's due to Eddie's pressure or what, but, I mean, I don't think it is because, I mean, Benson Henderson pressured him. Whenever he kicked Benson in the body, I mean, you could hear that sound. You could see the look on Benson's face. It looked to me like Pettis didn't have that same firepower. Now, I have no idea why that would be the case. Like, I just don't see how that happens. I mean, I guess... You know, power's the last thing to go. And, and this guy is still in his 20s, so I really don't know what happened. Did he not take it seriously? Uh, James, what do you think, man? Or did RDA just mess him up psychologically with that five-round ass-whooping? Yeah, and I think that um, he maybe underestimated Eddie Alvarez a little bit. I mean, you know, I've publicly spoken no Eddie Alvarez. I don't think Eddie Alvarez is that good either. I think I would whip Eddie Alvarez's ass if he fought today. Um, uh, but I think that... In a rematch, I think Eddie, Anthony Pettis would possibly beat him, but at the same time, he looked like he couldn't pull the trigger. He looked like he um, was a guy who hadn't fought in a year, and he looked like he was gun-shy, honestly. Um, and it, he showed over time and time again his takedown defense is not very good. And he's decent at defending off the cage, and he can get up, but he still gets – I mean, I guess they can, you can consider yourself decent – on the cage if you don't get taken down, but if you're also getting pinned on the cage for two or three minutes at a time, you know, you, you still need to work on on reversing people, you know, using underhooks, you know, turning people off the cage and, and disengaging. But um, uh, I don't know, man. I think that I, I think that he's a little bit shot. I think he was gun shy and um, uh, Eddie Alvarez jumped on him quick and, and um, caught him a little cold in the fight and, and took advantage of it and, and, and made it work for him. Definitely. And what about this fight with Barboza, man? Because, I mean, we know with Barboza that as far as the physical side is concerned, I mean, he's uh, one of the best in the world. I mean, the guy, the guy's kicks, 
I mean, that switch kick is just fucking nasty. The biggest knock on Barboza has been that chin and the mental fortitude. But as far as his output and all that, I mean, he's one of the best in the world. It's just always been a matter of does he want it or can he take that punch? You know what I mean, James? Yeah, I mean, you know what, though? I think I'm going to pick the upset. I'm going to take Barboza. I think that um, matchup-wise, it's a good match. Anthony Pettis is a good kicker, but he's he's flat-footed. He, 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 he'll he walk people down, or he waits for, you know, he walks Cerrone down when he fought him, or he waits for the counter. Barboza moves his feet very well. Barboza has no problem staying on the outside. and Even if he went, Barboza wins a boring stay-away decision, He I don't think he really has a problem with that. And um, uh, I think that, Anthony Pettis has a boxing problem. He, he's a phenomenal kicker, third-degree black belt taekwondo, but he doesn't move his head. He fights with his head straight up and down. That's why Dos Anjos, you know, was, was able to get was able to touch him so many times also. And I think that um, Barboza has better hands. I think Anthony Pettis is, is a meaner fighter and probably has more heart, but I don't think that it's going to come to that. So unless I think Anthony, unless Anthony Pettis catches him with something and, and, and drops him, I think Barboza outpoints him and wins the fight. Yeah, now, Chaz... What did you make of Anthony's performance versus Eddie, you know, with the kicks not having that same pop? And what do you think about this upcoming matchup with Barboza? Yeah, I think he was a little, I think he was a little gun shy pulling trigger. I think he didn't really want to get taken down and held down. I think, you know, you look at Eddie Alvarez, Eddie's a, Eddie's a good wrestler too. You know, he's got good boxing he's, and he's a good wrestler. So, um, you know, I think that, in Pettis's mind, you know, maybe he thought that he was exposed a little bit with that Rafael Dos Anjos fight with the pressure that was put on in the takedowns and the, and the control. And I think he was a little scared to, to let that happen again. He just didn't want to have a repeat performance. And he, he went out there more to not lose than to, to win, maybe. So, um, you know, that, that probably hurt him a little bit, but... I still think he's a phenomenal fighter. I, you know, like you said, if, if they fought again, there's you know there's a chance he could be. I think him and the fight between him and Eddie should be a toss up every time. I think it's a pretty good matchup. I think those guys cancel each other out stylistically pretty well. I think that's a tough one to call from fight to fight. But I think that I think that Pettis comes out and I think he submits Barbosa. Uh, I think he's going to catch him with. I think he's going to catch Barboza with something. And when it goes to the ground, I think he's going to submit him. Yeah, one thing that we can agree on is someone's going down, you know, whether it's a submission or a knockout. I think that, I mean, this fight has a performance of the night written all over it. I know people think it might be a fight of the night. I don't think so, man. I don't think they're going to go toe-to-toe till one guy falls down. I think that one guy is going to make a definitive statement. And we're going to have to tune in to UFC 197 to find out who that is. Now, two more fights before we get out of here. We got Demetrius Johnson taking on the Olympian gold medalist, Henry Cejudo. And... Man, this is a hell of a matchup. Now, everyone's counting out Cejudo. Everyone's saying that Demetrius, you know, is going to run right through him. You know, I actually kind of disagree, man. I think that Cejudo might turn some heads. You know, this is a, if I had to make a case for Cejudo, this is the case I would make right here. Firstly, the guy's never lost a round in his MMA career. Now, I know someone's going to be like, oh, but the Formiga fight was a split. Yeah, well, look at those judges' scorecards. Two judges scored at 30-27. 
for Cejudo because it was a 30-27. And then some other judge probably had money on uh, Formiga, so he scored a 29-28 Formiga, but it was clearly 30-27. The guy's never lost a round in the UFC. Now, he hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been knocking guys out in the first round or anything like that. He has been going to decision, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of Holly Holm where, you know, maybe he's holding back a little bit. Maybe he's just, you know, coasting and doing what he needs to do to get the job done and saving it, you know, for the big fight. I think he can rise to the occasion here, man. You know, he's a gold medalist Olympian wrestler. He's a Golden Gloves boxer. He's undefeated in MMA. He's never lost a round in the UFC. Even if he loses this fight, I think this is going to be DJ's toughest test in terms of his championship reign. I'm not talking about, you know, the Dominic Cruz fight because that wasn't part of his championship reign. I'm only talking about while he's had the belt. I think this is going to be his toughest fight, and I think there's a very good chance for the upset. What do you think, Chaz? Yeah, actually, I think I think Cejudo... I, I wonder what Cejudo's ground game looks like, his, uh, his jiu-jitsu. I wonder what his jiu-jitsu is like. I can't really remember seeing his jiu-jitsu. I mean, he's a great wrestler, obviously, so that's that's that. But I could see I, I could see Cejudo winning this fight, actually, to be honest with you. I think I think Demetrius Johnson is is great. I think, well, I wonder have you seen what 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 does Cejudo's um cardio look like in a three round fight? Like at the end of a three round fight, does he look tired? I mean, he's been fine to me. He keeps winning 30-27 every single time. So, yeah, it looks fine to me. I don't know. You know, I think I could definitely see an upset here. I'm going to go with the upset, actually. I got to go with the wrestler. I got to go with Cejudo. Um, You know, Olympic champion, I have to do it. So, I'm going to say Cejudo comes out. You know, when they're striking, I think he's going to put on some decent pressure. I think he's going to be able to get a couple takedowns. Uh, at least a takedown each round is sealed round. I think that they're going to be close rounds, and uh, I think Cejudo's going to take it. James Big, are we going to see that big upset here, or are we going to see one of the top pound-for-pound pound fighters in the world defend his belt? Um, you know what? It's like I think this is um, it's kind of like the Cormier-Jones fight. Um, here's the thing. it's it, Even though he's such a high-level wrestler and he's so good, it's hard to bet against a six-time defending world champion, just like it's just like it's hard to bet against when when John Jones was a six-time defending world champion, you know, defended his belt five or six times. It's hard to bet against someone like that, even if they are going against someone as as dominant as Cormier. Cormier never lost a round either until he fought John Jones. Um, uh, I think Mighty Mouse's experience. I think he's he his well-roundedness. I think that um, I do think Suhudo is going to take him down a few times. Um, I think Mighty Mouse will get up. I think that it's going to be a, f- a five-round decision. But uh, I mean, it's it's I mean, as good as I as good a chance as I do think Cejudo has, it's it's hard to bet against a six-time world champion. So I'm, I'm picking Mighty Mouse. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely tough to pick against a guy like Mighty Mouse. I mean, he's been getting better every fight. He's got that championship swagger about him. I just see something special about Cejudo as well. So I, I'm just so pumped for that fight and. Speaking of being pumped for a fight, the last fight we got to break down is Daniel Cormier versus John Jones. And holy shit, man. You know, the first fight wasn't close at all in my book. I know some people like to act like it was a five-round war. Listen, it wasn't a five-round war. It was a five-round. It was kind of a... DC got humiliated, in my opinion. You know, DC was like, 
if I want to take him down 10 times, I'm going to take him down 10 times. And then it was John Jones who, you know, took him down five times in a row that one round. And he was just playing with him and he did his thing. You know, it's funny. He's, he's doing blow off strippers asses in Brazil two weeks before the fight. And then he goes out there against DC and 50, 45 him. Now the guy's focused. He's posting pictures on his Instagram. He's, uh, he's more ripped than he's ever been. It's funny. You know, he used to say that he wouldn't train in the off season. He would only train when he had a fight coming up. That's the kind of, you know, uh, that's the kind of athlete, that's the kind of specimen we're dealing with here. But now this guy's focused, and I, I think he can finish DC. I'm just going to put it out there. I think John Jones is going to finish Daniel Cormier and reclaim his belt. What do you think, James? I think John Jones is going to win for sure. I don't think I don't know that he's going to finish him, but I think he's going to win. Um, I thought the first fight was competitive, but it wasn't close. I mean, DC held his own, and he did good as 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 most people have did against John Jones, or better than most people have did against John Jones, really. But um, I, I don't think it was close. It was competitive. And I think that John Jones has too many tools. He's um, he's too long. He's too hard to take down. Um, I just think that John Jones wins the fight uh, unanimous decision again. Chas Skelly. Now, before you give us your breakdown, let, let me give you my theory on rematches after five round fights. So I have this theory and it's not always true, but it's been, it's a high, high hit rate that after you have a five round war with someone, when you rematch them, the fight ends inside the distance. Let me give you a couple examples. Anthony Pettis versus Benson Henderson. They go five rounds. The very next fight ends in the first round. Benson Henderson versus Cowboy Cerrone. Five rounds. Next fight ends in the first round. Hendo versus Shogun. Machida versus Shogun. I mean, there's so many examples of where that happens. So I'm going to use that theory and say that John Jones finishes DC. What do you think, Chaz? I'm going to say that Dominic Cruz versus Uriah Faber and Chad Mendez versus Jose Aldo says your theory is wrong. But I think, I, think, uh, I think that John Jones is definitely going to win the fight. Uh, he's just... That's the guy that you can't really bet against. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know anybody in the world that you could really say, I think that this guy is going to be John Jones. I, I even, I would, heavyweight, light heavyweight, I just, man, I, I just don't see anybody beating him. He's just like, like you guys were saying, he has too many tools. He's long. He's just a, a freak, man, because... He's so long and he really uses his length well. And that's just, that's nearly impossible for most guys to get past, you know. And DC's one of those guys that can do it because, you know, he is such a great wrestler. And when he does get under your legs, he, he is really strong and he does lift people and take them down and, and everything. It's just, fuck. You know, that first fight was, it was, it was pretty eye opening because in that first fight, you know, I, I, I was taking DC. I thought, just because I like him, you know, more than anything, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't, wasn't like really breaking it down from a technical standpoint. I was just saying, oh, I, I was probably drunk, you know, watching a Buffalo Wild Wings or something. I don't, I got DC, but um, no, I think from a technical standpoint, it's really, really hard to bet against John Jones, no matter who he's fighting. So, yeah, I'm going John Jones and. Also, I do think that if John Jones puts the pressure on, he could finish DC. DC was hurt in that uh, in that fight against 
what's his name? Gustafsson. Yeah, Gustafsson. Yeah, you know, he was hurt in that fight against Gustafsson. And, and I just think that, I think that if John Jones has him hurt like that, you know, he really puts the pressure on and finishes him. I, um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with John Jones. And I'm actually going to say that I think it is going to end up being a, a fourth round fourth round TKO nice so we all got John Jones here and in my defense Chaz to that theory you know even though uh Jose and Chad went five rounds the second time the first time it ended in the oh, first yeah. round oh yeah you're right so you're it, right, you're but right. but you're, you're you're right in the sense that it was the opposite of my theory because that, that those times it ended in the first and then they went five rounds whereas I'm saying when they go five rounds the next time it ends in the first so you're right man that was a, that's a very, very good examples there. Now, I got to thank you guys so much for joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle. Always a pleasure to talk to both of you guys. You know, I want to wish you guys very healthy training camps. Fucking go do your things, man. You know, just make a statement. Do what you guys have been training to do. We're all going to be watching Fox Sports 1, UFC 196, UFC 197. So, I mean, yeah, guys, thank you so much. So, James, anything you want to say to the fans before we get out of here? Nothing, no more. Thanks. Um, thank y'all for having me, uh, Daniel Chaz. And tune in um, April 23rd because uh, I'm beating the brakes off this dude. I'm getting another 50 G bonus. I'm about to be 5 0, and then I'm calling top 10, 10, top 15 guys and progressing my way up to being a world champion. So tune in. Fuck yeah, man. We will be tuning in for sure. Now, Chaz Kelly, any last uh, words before we get out of here? Yeah, man. Thank you, everybody who supported me. All, all the guys, all the, all the guys who helped me train. You know, uh, Fitness Fight Factory over there, Reyes Boxing Club. You know, Coach Monday. Um, just everybody who's, who's been behind me, Mass Chiropractic. Uh, and Palm Beach Tan for giving me all tan and not dad bod looking. You know, <laughs> uh, you know. Thank you guys. Everybody tune in March fifth and watch me, watch me get my first. Thousand dollar bonus. I'm not. I'm not rolling in the rolling the dough like James Vig, but you know, I'm looking for my first one. Fuck yeah, man. Not Australia, Texas. I'm not rolling in it either. <laughs> well, the good news is that the next time all three of us talk on half the battle, both of you guys are gonna be rolling in some serious dough, and so will I because you know I'm gonna be making money on both your fights. So fuck yeah, I'm really pumped about that. Follow James Vic at James Vic MMA. Follow Chaskelly at Chaskelly. Follow me at Best Fight Picks, and, you know, for all the fans of Half the Battle, thank you guys so much. I really, really appreciate it. And for all the new listeners, subscribe on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And until the next time, enjoy the fights.